there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to Nippon Trading International's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis of realestate.jp. He's a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families who are looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for over two decades now. And for about half of that time, he's been buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in Tokyo on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So he's got dedicated loan officers in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Sessions which means that you're already aware of the fact that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, Drop him a line on sales at realestate.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so I thought I'd hit you with a few episodes in quick succession just because I've been away for so long. And this one's yet another call with a new potential client. Uh, he's living here in Japan and called in with the initial idea of getting a house for his elderly mom and potentially renting it out when she's not using it via Airbnb or similar short-term stay platforms. So we talk about that as an option and as opposed to monthly rentals or even a long-term investment property where the rental income can then pay for month's visits to Japan just to give him all the options. Would it be possible for them to get a mortgage they were asking? And if so, could they somehow get an investment property with home loan terms? Um, which are obviously more attractive than investment loan terms. So we talk about that for a bit and also about our services here at NTI, how we can help property buyers either via full facilitation or consulting services, the level of Japanese required to do things on your own if you want to do that, and how to deal with Japanese realtors overall, what you can and cannot expect from them. We also dig a bit into inheritance tax, how it works for non-Japanese, registering your investment property as your home address, and much, much more. So a bit of a niche conversation, but touching on a lot of topics that we're regularly asked about. Hope you enjoy the chat, and I'll see you again on the other side. Okay, so I've scrolled down through your email. You were talking about a consulting capacity, um, real estate purchase. Um, yeah. But you, haven't, you haven't mentioned if it's for personal use or for investment or what what exactly are you looking at so let me give you a little background i um <clears throat> i initially reached out about consulting because i misunderstood that your fees were going to be on top of a buyer agent's fees yeah um i didn't realize that you guys were in place of buyer agents in that case i suspect that oh, no, our fees are on top of agency fees so you did get that right oh wait we're a separate service and a separate layer of payment. Yes, people hire us to, uh, for one of, or, or a mix of two reasons, either to bridge the gap because they just can't communicate or the local mm -hmm. realtors can't communicate with them, um, which is maybe not, I mean, it's easier to pull off in Tokyo, central Osaka, but other parts of the country, it becomes very challenging to find professionals. Yeah, um, so, okay, then I... 
Okay, it, Roger that. I um, I guess I went back. And, and the other side of that is what you've mentioned in your email is the consulting, the expertise. So even people who can do it on their own either want somebody to do it all for them or they just want somebody to hold their hand along the way. So we can come yeah. in. Yeah, so ultimately at the end of the day, I'm mostly looking for someone to hold my hand. Um, yeah. I speak... Uh, I speak very good Japanese. Um, um, I mean, I'm not going to say well, that. Like legalese, kanji, contracts, stuff like that are okay? Um, I'd probably have to do a little bit of review to read contracts. I mean, I can read AI research papers in Japanese. That, so. sounds, that sounds techy enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my job is in Japanese and most of my life here is in Japanese and I work in AI research. Um, anyway, I I am, it's not super complicated. It's just legal real estate related jargon. So stuff that you have to pick up after a few goals, I would imagine. The, the, but the reason that I was sort of so adamant that like handholding was important is because, um, my Japanese is very good, but I haven't actually been here that long which is an unusual combination and um i have gotten burned multiple times now i mean not with real estate but just in other things by like people just assuming i knew things that i didn't know yeah yeah um yeah it's not it's not different in real estate (laughs) yeah right i didn't think it was basically i the, the i know that there's a bunch of unknown unknowns but i don't know what they are and um yeah yeah basically that made me make me very uneasy um in terms of actually like just communicating with agents and stuff um yeah i i i don't predict having any difficulty there um i just don't really trust <laughs> yeah i mean i you know i guess sort of prop like stage zero of the problem is for example i don't know how to find a good japanese agent i mean i can just walk into any of the like million real estate offices in Tokyo. To to be honest, they all have access to the same databases of properties. So it's not like the, you know, one of them is going to have some diamond in the rough that the others Mm -hmm. are never going to be able to find. Like that's not going to be the case. And they're all, um, I mean, they're a bit different. If you're looking for a home to live in, then you get more, more of the personal relationship kind of agents. But if you're looking Mm -hmm. for, um, investment properties, especially on the cheaper end, they're all just very transactional. So it doesn't really matter which one you'll get in touch with. It's rare to find one that will actually tell you what questions to ask and say, oh, watch out. Before. Like if we're comparing these two, this one might be a bit more iffy because of ABC. So that's yeah. usually not part of their job description. It's not that they're malicious about it, but it's just they're there for the transaction, right? No, I I know. I um I mean again, not with real estate, but I've had some really frustrating experiences in Japan along these lines where people yeah. just like won't give you their opinions on things. That's the other um, side of Japan too, yeah. 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 Anyway, um so yeah, so basically, in the interest of total transparency, um, the situation with, let's see, so the situation with my finances basically is that um, my dad died recently. Um, thank you. It's, yeah, it is what it is. But um, basically, uh, my parents... Uh, <laughs> 
uh, I mean, at the risk of being indelicate, my, my parents have a lot of money um, and it's yeah. now just sort of my mom and me. And when my dad was alive, they were sort of making plans as a financial unit. Um, but I think my mom doesn't want to do that alone. So it's now sort of her and me making financial plans and trying to figure out what to do with um, what is now, I guess, the family money. Yeah. Um, and I had been pitching the idea of trying to buy something in Japan. Um, the The initial thought there was that in an ideal world, I could... So I have a bunch of career plans which are only kind of tangentially related, but the important part is that I'm planning to be based out of Japan and in particular Tokyo full-time for about another year. Um, so, <clears throat> and of course... <laughs> It's all easier said than done. But in a perfect world, I was hoping to buy a property, live in it for a year, and then basically treat it primarily as an income property after that. You can, but yeah. the criteria that you're going to use yes. to select a place to live in the criteria... Are very, yeah. I mean, they could you know, potentially be parallel on some... I mean, there'd be touching points, but they're not... It's not going to be the best investment if you're going to be comfortable living in it. Let's put it this way. Yeah. Yeah. That was sort of the conclusion I was coming to looking at some stuff on my own. Although there are. Yeah, there are sort of other. There are some borderline cases, but I wouldn't say central or even Tokyo, maybe a bit more Yokohama-ish, yeah. Saitama-ish, Chiba-ish. That was another conclusion that I was coming to. It's also a little bit frustrating because like, even if. I mean, this may or may not actually be material to a real estate purchase, but um, I don't really like Tokyo at all. I'm just here because, like, the work is here, basically. What um, kind of commute would you be okay with, though, on a yearly, in that year's range that you still need? Oh, yeah, not not a super long commute, which is um, why I think, like you said, the the idea of living in something and then using it in, as an investment property is hard in Tokyo. Um, Saitama um, is just about 30 minutes out of Ueno or um, Akihabara. And w would that be too far for you? Because there's some good deals so, in Saitama City. But I mean, yeah, it's not exciting. Um, my, my work is down in uh, near Shibuya. So it's sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, although I also only go into work about two days a week. I mean, I actually... <laughs> In some sense, the the bigger concern is um, my gym. I train at an MMA gym, and I'd really rather not switch gyms. Um, yeah. That's up in the northern part of Tokyo around Suidobashi. So it's not quite as far north as Ueno, but okay. it is north. I mean, yeah. So something up north is possible. Um Yeah, I, I guess I have to. I haven't really looked. I hadn't looked that far north. I had sort of been spinning my wheels trying to find something in more inside of Tokyo. But well, the, on, the only places where I can think of you could potentially pull off a reasonable deal that you'd also be comfortable living in, I'd say mm -hmm. would be um, Yokohama or Saitama cities that would work mm -hmm. with your work and gym kind of alternating, depending on which side you come at it from. 
Um, but just make sure that it's on the smooth train line to where you need to go, not just like some yeah. suburban Yokohama or Saitama where there's like yeah. three transfers along the way or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, one of the sort of unpleasant conclusions I was coming to is that a lot of these sites allow you to like search by commute time. Um, but they're all they're all liars. Basically. Yes, they're assuming you're um, jogging to the station and back, I think, in most cases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so definitely that like the walking times are usually not accurate. Also, I mean, the, I don't know how they're computing the like train commute time, but it's not in some cases, it's the best case scenario. In other cases, it, it's occasionally just wrong. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So I like, you know, I sort of started this search and I did like a, a quick search and I was like, oh, I want this commute time. And there were like a bunch of results. And I was like, oh, maybe this won't be so bad. Um, and then I realized that I basically had to set everything to like five or 10 minutes less yeah. than it was supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's a very different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, look, Research-wise, it sounds like you're already starting to do the right thing. So I don't know that you'll need that much hand-holding on that front. I think maybe just when you're actually zeroed down on maybe a few potential, like a short list of actual properties that you want to um, look into deeper. Yeah. That's probably where we'd come in. Um, and again, sounds like maybe just on a consulting basis. If at any point you want to just hands off and you know get us to do everything, we can do that. But it doesn't sound like you'll necessarily need it, I think. Yeah, I think consulting should be fine. I also um, thought that I was, I guess, closer to buying a property than I actually was because I, as things go, sometimes I talked to my mom about this a month ago and, did, and she was very enthusiastic and did a bunch of research and then came back with concrete candidates and she was suddenly less enthusiastic. Okay. Um, <laughs> although, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think the Tokyo thing depends a lot on sort of what she decides to do. I, in the long term, am interested in buying property in Japan either way. Um, and after I move back to the US, it would be very easy. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, without going into concrete numbers, I make about a fourth right now of what I did when I was working in the US. I can imagine, um, yeah. Japan's not yeah. known for uh, the higher salaries and the career ladders. Yeah, yeah. And then especially in tech. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, although I think in the case where it was... Yeah, I mean, in the case where I was looking at buying like a year from now or something like that, I, I don't think I would buy in Tokyo at all. I would probably buy... I don't know. Actually... This brings me to a sort of, I have a couple like kind of shotgun tangential questions that I want to ask um, that are all sort of like pinpoint, but I'm hoping you might have some answers. Um, so one question is, uh, given that I will long-term be living in the US, but am planning to come back to Japan relatively frequently in, again, in an ideal world, and I don't know how easy this is, um, a property that I could run as an Airbnb so that like I could also use it occasionally would be great. But I don't know. I know that Japan requires like a license for this. 
Yeah, um, for the situation, for the scenario you're describing, I'd probably not go the actual Airbnb. Airbnb f- because it's short-term stays done mm-hmm. for periods of less than a month, so like a few mm-hmm. days or a week or what have you, and mm-hmm. um, they're not done with a tenancy lease in place. So they fall under special legislation, mm-hmm. the Minpaku legislation, which requires the licensing and the compliance right. and yeah. making checks. But um, if you just rent them out by the month, so short term, but with a tenancy lease in place, like a monthly mansion kind of thing. Interesting. I didn't. Yeah. So I've actually used monthly mansions, but it never occurred to me that you could do no this. No legislation compliance required for those. It's just a normal rental from a legal perspective. And um, it's still available for you to use when you come. As long as you give the management company enough notice, if you're saying come right. tomorrow, they might be. Of cool, course. But, yeah. Of course. Of course. And, and there are companies that will do this for you. In most uh, big cities, yes, depending okay. on the location. But if you're looking at small, okay. out of the way, beautiful Inaka little spots, it's um, near near non-existent management companies. Right. It's just not worth it for them to set up shop. That makes sense. So I guess there are like management companies that are specialized in this monthly mansion type yes. of renting. Yes. Okay. So yeah. um, Tokyo, Tokyo, um, Kyoto, Osaka, Fukuoka, um, and we haven't done any, but I'm quite sure Nagoya and Sapporo as well. Um, yeah, have, so I think... have these types of companies and they would usually go within say 30 minutes from the actual official city limits so Tokyo mm-hmm. Tokyo companies will cover Yokohama Osaka companies will sometimes cover Kobe Kyoto will cover Nara and that kind of thing yeah I think yeah I think in this situation I would probably I mean if I ended up in a situation where I had to come back to Tokyo frequently for business reasons I might buy in Tokyo anyway but barring that it would probably be Osaka, Kobe, or Fukuoka. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where are you from uh, in the States, by the way? I'm from... I was born in California, but I don't really like it. And I spent most of the last 10 years of my life in Washington State, in Seattle. Okay. Um, so I say that I'm from Seattle. So maybe not Fukuoka. That'll be very California-ish if you're not into that vibe, I think. Maybe... Um... Yeah, Osaka or Kobe would be more up your alley. So I, I actually, I lived in Kobe for a year in college as an exchange student. Yeah. Um, I Kobe is beautiful. I mean, the thing I like about Fukuoka is that it's also beautiful, although I haven't spent a lot of time there. Um, I spent enough time in Osaka. I mean, honestly, the yeah, th- this is sort of a tangent, but um, the things that I like about Osaka are really, A, like the culture. Um, I... People in Tokyo are so cold. <laughs> it's it's miserable. I didn't realize. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it doesn't it's really kind matter. Kind of like I mean, New York, um, Singapore, all, all big, big, big cities tend to be a bit like that, right? I guess. I I don't know really. I mean, the biggest city that I lived in was sort of Seattle, and even then, I didn't really like live in downtown Seattle. I sort of lived out in the woods, yeah. um, and I just kind of commuted in for work. So this has been my first real big city experience, but like, yeah. Anyway, um, just culture-wise, I think I like Osaka a lot more. Um, Fukuoka is just... I'm, I'm biased. Fukuoka is the best place I've ever lived in, but it's um, it's <clears throat> beach and warm and, and kind of... I mean, it gets a little bit cold in the winter, but nothing like other places. So Yeah. Yeah, I've only been to Fukuoka once. I just remember that it was incredibly beautiful and like relatively cheap. Yeah, it's a bit compelling. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So these are all in those cities. These uh, the monthly rentals are an option. Um, once you mm -hmm. get out into the boonies, not so much. Yeah, I don't think I would do like super boonies. Um, yeah. So that, okay, that that makes a huge amount of sense. And in that case, I'm just gonna I'm gonna cross off my other Airbnb related questions from my list because I think that's a much better option. Um, yeah. They'll charge you fifteen to twenty five percent, depending on the location and the company of the mm -hmm. uh, rental income. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they don't charge you when it's not rented out, but you will need to put in place um, internet utilities. So there's going to be some monthly fees, regardless of bookings or not. Sure, that makes sense. And um, obviously, you furnish the place, all appliances, all utensils, utilities. So probably we just did a similar one in Kyoto. That's going to be probably about ten thousand to deck out for guests and start advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, if that's still a thing, or if you just need somewhere quiet to get away from the world. They offer a variety of options for families, corporate relocations, or even if you're simply transitioning between homes in Tokyo. The properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They come with fast unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in. Fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but longer term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly in a Japanese business hotel. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home, with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, etc. You definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profit, or a holiday home that you want to rent out when you're not using it via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth a visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at sales at realestate.jp. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, one of the other, well, it's not that much money relative to the sort of expense involved in like actually buying properties, but... If I could somehow manage a purchase before I left Japan, I could move a lot of my existing furniture to whatever I bought, depending on how close it was, which would be nice. But then but, you're not going to, then it's just going to be for your use and storage. You're not going to put tenants in there with your stuff, right? Oh, not personal stuff. Just like the fridge, for example. Okay. Um, like I wouldn't have to buy another fridge. Um, gotcha. Okay. I have two other sort of pinpoint questions that I want to run by you really quick. Um, 
in a scenario where, uh, let's say my mom comes back around on the idea of using family money to invest. Um, I know that Japan has a pretty substantial inheritance tax. So in some sense, it doesn't necessarily make that much sense to, so my, my, um, my mom is quite old. She's like, well, I guess it's all relative, but I, I don't know exactly how much longer my mom is going to yep. be around. Um, so, so basically if, for example, um, it was just her name on the property, then potentially in like five or 10 years, I would get hit with inheritance tax. I brought this up to her and her response that was, was that in the US, um, you could just put multiple people's name, names on property ownership and that might solve the problem. Is something like this possible in Japan? Um, that is over my pay grade. I will put you in touch directly with an accountant who's been helping a lot of our clients if you want. Okay. And he, he can advise on that. Um, just from memory, last time he advised, I think a couple in a similar situation, the dad was in Singapore or something, and mm -hmm. he wanted to buy a place for them with them kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it had to do with how long how long the um the child was living in japan and the type of visa that they had whether they would be liable for inheritance tax or not you you said you haven't been here long right how long have you been here so this time two years and then previously one year i i, I haven't been here long enough to get hit with the like, income tax reporting thing yeah Right for for all yeah, of my yeah. income, um, which is good because I, well, I had, what visa are you on? I'm uh a very fancy work visa. Um, okay, but a, a it, work visa essentially, right? Yeah, it's the the do you know um what is it? It's English. It's like the highly talented foreign worker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, I know what you mean. Uh, highly, highly skilled something or not. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, in, in Japanese, yeah. it's like the Kodo Jinzai Nantarakanta. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think this is, again, this is a completely unofficial answer and account sure. definitely not. But I don't think it's difficult to avoid the tax if you get something transferred to you or purchased under your name now while you're still on this visa and just within the two, three years. I, I think see. Yeah, now sort of might as... be a better time to do it that when when you're more resident entrenched kind of if that is even something that's going to happen in the future I don't know right um so that makes sense that makes sense um I will okay I may at some point in the future actually ask for that accountant recommendation yep. I think for now I'm just kind of taking notes but um so then actually my last question um is about residency. It's not about residency for tax purposes, but um, I'm going to be filing an application for permanent residency, actually, uh, probably in the next two months or so. And the idea here is that basically once you get Japanese permanent residency, it's pretty easy to hold on to it, even if you don't actually live here. Um, or at least... That's the impression I get from my friend who's been living in the States for the past 10 years and just renewing his permanent residency. 
That um, sounds right, but again, I would refer you to an immigration sure, lawyer sorry. rather but, than yeah, try to Sorry, answer. sorry, really quick. That wasn't no, no, it's question. okay. I'm happy to um, try and answer, but just don't take everything I say with a grain of salt. No, 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 of course. I think you, you may have more input on the specific question, though, which is one of the few things, um, based on my understanding, that's required to sort of maintain the like permanent residency visa in Japan is an address of some kind. And so one of the really big open questions in my book is obviously if I don't own any property, I there's no way I am going to be able to come up with an address probably. But um, let's say I own a rental property and I mean, I guess the probably the most difficult scenario is that I own a rental property and there's someone living in it. Um, and then from it's there, it's a gets long term to- lease that's going to be challenging. If that's your address and you can say, yeah, I'm out of the country for a few months and, you know, meanwhile, mm-hmm. renting about by the month, I can I can see I can see an immigration lawyer, not under uh, immigration official, not understanding that. But if there's somebody actually living there on a lease and, you know, they send you a letter and the guy just what that and throws it away and it bounces back or what have you. I mean, that, that's when the problems start. Right. So and that was sort of the question. I think um, I actually think that in terms of the legal like immigration implications, I'm perhaps foolishly not that worried about it because I just don't think anybody is going to check. I'm way more worried about. Oh, they do. They do check. They do. They do. They do visits and audits. And yeah, I mean, randomly, not for everyone, but they definitely do check. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. But I guess the scenario I was more concerned about is, is exactly what you described, right? The like basically mail. Um, Like if there's a long-term tenant there, I probably can't get mail there. You know, for example, if I'm doing the like, monthly mansion style scenario that you described they're not even going to check the post in that case okay yeah. okay that's that's good to know i mean in that they case, could i guess they um, could if they you know if they're staying there for an extended period of time they might want to get some postal items there so that'll be something that you'll talk to the property manager about and just make sure that somebody checks what's yours and what's theirs um, but it's not going to be a case of they're assuming that everything in the mailbox is theirs or a mistake, right? Okay, and this is the kind of scenario that like property managers aren't going to basically be like, I, I don't know, upset with or like isn't super unusual, I guess. Um, no, this not kind really, of, like, especially okay. especially the ones that are the, um, the property management companies, as opposed to the real estate agents, um, especially in the big cities, because that's mm-hmm. where we're going to be able to get them. They're mm-hmm. often marketing to foreign guests, um, Chinese or, or English speakers or Koreans mm-hmm. or what have you. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not as rigid as your typical Japanese professional company. That they, that they makes can sense. often speak English. They can reply to requests, and, and yeah, they're not that bad. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I that that was sort of my question is basically like of of the kind of like long term rental monthly mansion and airbnb options i'm I'm sure i could work the mail out in an airbnb because like nobody ever checks the mail but yeah if it if it works in the monthly mansion case too that's really good to know um, i haven't had i haven't had to be honest a client who had that requirement to actually receive post at that address but um i mean mm-hmm. if 
if we or a property manager is managing the property on your behalf, so they're going to be the designated contact person for a lot of the stuff like utilities mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing mm-hmm. anyway. So they're already used to going through post and checking what has to do with guests and what I, I don't see that as being any kind of a problem with a really short term with a monthly or short term management company with a normal long term lease. The property mm-hmm. manager is not really involved that much. So Isn't really, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that hadn't occurred to me at all because I don't think, well, I don't really know how stuff like this works in the U.S. It doesn't matter. Okay. That makes sense. Thank you. Um, no problem. Yeah. Okay. I, sorry, I'm like skimming my notes here. Um, <laughs> all good. Yeah. The... The monthly mansion thing was a really good piece of advice that hadn't occurred to me. And um, if that also, yeah, I mean, it sounds like that would also work for sort of like address purposes. Um, I think that's sort of all of the questions I had off the top of my head. Um, I, I guess I will look at some properties a little bit further up north um think a little bit more about this and (laughs) And talk talk to your mom mom. it sounds like yeah 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 i mean i think yeah i'll talk to my mom again and sort of see what she has to say i um i i am there's also the option of there's also the very i think very feasible option of considering um to just buy a purely investment property, which is not limited to Tokyo or anything that would be convenient mm-hmm. for you, just purely investment, whether long-term lease or monthly, um, and just use the income that you get from that to just rent for another year so that you're renting a comfortable place without having to th- compromise on investment value. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that actually makes quite a bit of sense. Um, actually, I'm sorry. I did have one more question. Um yep that I just remembered, uh, but let me, um, also, if you're going for permanent residency, you'd probably, and you're working and making an income in Japan, once it becomes stable enough, say a year or two, you could be qualifying for a home loan. Yes. That was exactly what I wanted to ask you. So, um, I have, uh, I've done a little bit of homework on this and first of all, um, if, if I could qualify for a home loan, home loan, uh, I don't need my mom at all. That and it's the interest rates here are so low. Um, yep. it's a no-brainer if you can get it for sure. Yeah. So basically, I was going to ask my understanding based off of one ten-minute conversation with one real estate agent. So, like, not a huge amount of homework. Um, is that for foreigners, there are sort of like two main requirements for home loans. Um, well, one of them is for foreigners and one of them is for everybody. One of the um, the foreigner one is places want you to have permanent residency. Um, I guess that a lot of places just like, well, I don't know. It sounded like a lot of places wouldn't even consider loaning to you if you didn't have permanent residency. As, as a very, very rough rule, but we've had quite a few conversations with people who are we're basically servicing mostly cash buyers, so we're not really deeply um, entrenched in loan culture. Mm-hmm. But 
Mm -hmm. People who are in agents who do said that it's not necessarily, we actually just recorded, I haven't published it yet, but we just recorded a conversation about it recently. If you're in the country working uh, steadily and stably for a while, and yeah, you're kind yeah. of on a path that shows stability and might turn into PR in the future, a lot of them are very lenient on that. So okay. it's That's more the regular income history that they want to see and that you've been in the country for a while. And obviously, if you're looking like you're setting up a family, it adds a bit more stability. If you've lived in the same place for a long time, it adds stability. So there's factors that they'll consider, but it's not a strict no-no. Okay, that that makes sense. That's good to know. Although, unfortunately, I think... In my case, I'm actually doing worse on the second metric of um, stability because I've just like bounced around. So I've been in Tokyo or I came to Tokyo about two years ago. Um, the first year I wasn't actually working at all. I was doing research at the University of Tokyo um, and I've been at my current company for a year. The guy that I talked to um, basically said that most places want to see at least three years at the same company. Um, that... that sounds right. I mean, it, they start at about a year, but I mean, considering your are a slightly higher risk factor, then yes, three years sounds about right. Yeah. So, I mean, I could, if I could, yeah. I mean, hopefully I will get- But, but that's just bear in mind, that's his bank loan. I mean, if he's no, somebody who works in the yeah. real estate industry, he's got loan officers that he works with regularly or bank connections, that's not necessarily the same uh, answer you'll get from other agents or if you go directly to a bank. Okay. Do you have, I don't know, any like lending agents or banks that you work with or? Um... If you're looking to buy around Tokyo and if you're looking to buy a place that you might actually want to live in, so it's basically mm -hmm. a family home to begin with, it might be an investment down the sure. track. Um, then, yeah, I can put you in touch with uh, quite a few who could help you um, in English in Tokyo. Um, and okay. again, if, if, and when, if and when you need consultation, you can let us know. But there'll be more buyer focus, the ones that I'll introduce you to. So they're not necessarily sure. that transaction. I, it doesn't really need to be in English. And actually, it might need to be in Japanese because my girlfriend and maybe soon to be fiance doesn't speak any English. <laughs> um, but uh, one thing I will say is that if... Yeah, the Japanese loans make too much sense. I mean, basically, if at any point in the next two years, um, or sorry, one year. Yeah, so before I leave Japan, I will hopefully get permanent residency and hit two years working history. I won't hit three. But, yeah, but if you want to apply, you want to apply while you're still getting paid by a Japanese employer and before you're actually not physically in the country, because that's that's right. when you best chances of actually getting it up. Of course. and that, But that's sort of what I was getting at is that if at any point before I leave, um, I I hit the bare minimum of qualifications for getting a loan, I, I would like hands down buy property. I mean, it's just sort of a no brainer because like the yeah. loans here are such a good deal. Basically. Okay, I'll put you I'll put you in touch with um with Emil who lives and works in Tokyo and that's exactly what he specializes in is family okay. homes and mortgages. So he'll he'll be very, uh, very useful, I think. Okay. Is the scenario substantially different if, say, like I was looking at investment property in Osaka? Um, I investment mean, I could... loans are always going to be a bit more challenging. Um, okay. 
at the and moment, if you're still resident, they're an option. Once you're not resident, they'll want you to maybe set up a company in Japan. So again, it's a sort of thing that you want to do while you're still here and while you still got an income history and a Japanese employer if you can, but they're not as okay. easy to get as home loans. Okay. And it's not that every bank also has criteria that's related to particular property profiles, particular areas, minimum build year. Each each lender has their own criteria on what sort of investment properties they'll approve. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and this isn't the kind of thing where, I mean, you're not really supposed to do this anywhere, but like you can kind of do it in the US where you, you say it's a single family home and then you buy it and then you just sort of like live in it for a month and then um, you rent can. it. You can, but okay. if they find out, they could force you to uh, either refinance uh, under lower, you know, less attractive terms because it's mm -hmm. not, not a home loan or they might ask you to pay it all off immediately. So that's something. Okay, so they're pretty on. serious about. If they find out, they're probably not going to, you know, make too many inquiries as long as the loan's getting paid. But as if long as it, yeah. a mail item bounces or some other thing brings it to their attention and they do find then out, they, they, could ask you, they could ask you to pay okay. it off. That makes sense. I guess I don't actually know. I, I have a friend who basically did this in the Actually, I have multiple friends who did this in the US and it seemed to be going fine. But I guess I don't actually know what the worst case in the I maybe the worst case in the US is the same thing. I don't know. But, um, but you could I mean, you could go the 50 50 way. So if you're using 50% of the home of the structure for your own personal mm -hmm. residence and 50% is being rented out, it still qualifies as a home loan. So if you get oh. like a, a two store a small two story building and you live like at the a top duplex. and you rent out the bottom, yeah, that's really good to know. Um, that's a home loan if you're using fifty or fifty one percent. I don't remember what it is. Of okay, the, yeah. Of the floor. So any yeah. So basically, <laughs> my uh, Zoom is the free version. So in three minutes, if we get cut out, I'll. Um, save the recording, which will take five minutes, and then I'll jump back in again. Okay. Although I think I think this is mostly all of my questions. I suspect okay. I basically need to go talk to my mom. And then probably I really do want to talk to whatever bank agent introduction you have because um, – I don't have bank uh, – I or, have a sorry, real estate like agent loan. in Tokyo who can yeah, yeah. You can hook you up with yeah. a loan yeah. If, yeah. if you yeah. qualify. Yeah. Sure. But basically if – if at any point I qualify for a loan before leaving to Japan, I'm just, I'm going to buy something. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be super easy to pay that off from the U.S. and the loan terms make too much sense. Yeah. 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 Just don't tell the bank that you're going back to the U.S. That's of course. <laughs> of course. Not necessarily on uh, a need-to-know basis kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. So I'll send sense. the intro email to Emil. I'll put you two in touch. He can help you on that front. And then once you speak to mom, if and when you're starting to think about something that's maybe not going to be a family residence mm -hmm. in Tokyo, then that's probably where we would come in. But okay. of course, we can consult you along the way if you feel the need to when you're with the Tokyo family home. But if you're going to buy it with a meal, I'm, I'm confident that you won't need any consultation. He'll walk you through it. Okay, that makes sense. Let me talk to Emil and then talk to my mom again and just sort of think a little bit more about it. Yep. Um, and then I will... Yeah, I'm not sure. There's sort of a lot of unknowns, um, but yep. I'll get back to you at some point. And thank options. you. Options. It's exciting, been, right? So many options. Yeah, 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 I get it. Yes, this has been super informative. Um, thank pleasure. you. We're here. Yeah. Speak to you soon. Yes, thanks. Bye. Great time. So there you have it. Nice little conversation there and hopefully useful info for those of you in similar situations. Hope you found some value in it.
Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com. And he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku! Yoroshiku!